Hello, and welcome to the Self Sufficient Hub podcast. I'm Carl from selfsufficienthub.com, and I'm here to talk about all things self sufficiency. Sustainability and food security matters. Hello everyone and welcome to episode 251 of the Self-Sufficient Hub podcast. I hope you're all safe and well. Today I'm talking with Mike Copeman, friend of the show and frequent guest, and we're going to be talking about bow making, as in bows and arrows. Mike recently went away on a bow making weekend and he's into all those kinds of skills. As you will know, he's a backyard blacksmith. He's also very adept at leather work and he's adding bow making to his repertoire and we're talking about that weekend and what he sort of learned on that trip. It's a really fascinating subject and I got a lot out of it. So without further ado, I will hand you over to my conversation with Mike Copeman. Hey Carl, how's How are you doing? Yeah, good thanks. How are you? Yeah, kind of great. Just uh, got a new customer apparently so that's nice what for the forge uh no actually for construction oh fantastic yeah how's the forge going uh not at all at the moment actually no no i'm uh, i'm more busy in construction uh lately i've got uh projects well list all over the summer i've got projects in uh hiding up a fence Building a new fence and laying out some stonework. Uh, building an outdoor kitchen. And the next one that's coming up next Saturday, uh, or this Saturday that's uh, coming up right now, is uh, fixing uh, walls. Fantastic. What does an outdoor kitchen entail? Uh, well, the outdoor kitchen, uh, as I've built it, uh, based on the plans that the owner had, uh, had in mind, was basically a, a wooden uh, box sort of with uh, doors in it and on top of that basically a, a sort of a, it looks like marmor, uh, marble uh, plate okay uh, as basically as a countertop to, uh, co- uh, to to prepare food on and next to that would be the grill standing nice yeah nice they're really so, uh, good good <laughs> stuff because um, I'm going to keep all this in, Mike. <laughs> yeah, sure, no problem. So uh, you've you've come back, obviously. For those listening along, this is Mike Copeman, returning guest, and uh, this is probably your fifth visit on the show. Would be my guess, Mike. Does that sound right? Uh, well, we had the blacksmithing episode. We had the leatherworking episode. We have twice the uh, uh, answer uh, or ask anything uh, episode. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, I, I guess this is indeed the fifth time. Cool. And we are here because, or the main reason that we're sort of recording this conversation is because you've been away on a bow, bow making, was it a, a course or just a day or what was it? Uh, it was actually an uh, entire weekend uh, at a uh, Viking center uh, up north here in Denmark called uh, yep. Furcat. And it was an entire weekend uh, with actual instructors that have many uh, years of experience and many bows of experience in making uh, bows, and mostly on the Viking flat bow. Okay. Uh, but they also have experience in laminated bows, uh, long bows, you name it. Um, I learned a lot uh, during that weekend. 
and yeah. mostly because of uh, talking to them and working with them i understood the basics of it uh, and i have to say i'm not an expert but i understand what you have to look for yeah yeah so what's let's start with what, what's the difference between a, a longbow and a viking flatbow or perhaps describe them both to us well, the, 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 the longbow, as traditionally, uh, was made of yew, uh, which mm-hmm. is more in the later uh, medieval era. Uh, I think, the, uh, if I'm correct, I'm not 100% sure of it. Uh, it came out, uh, or at least was used, mostly uh, made, uh, made of yew around 1200 and uh, after. It could have been mm-hmm. earlier. I'm not completely 100% sure of that. However, the Viking uh, flatbow uh, is actually already from the Iron Age and maybe even before that. There have been found archaeologically that uh, resemble the flatbow up to, I think, if I'm correct, uh, at least from from, from the year zero and even before that. Wow. And what makes a flatbow a flatbow? Well, the, the, the flatbow is basically what you what you have is uh, you basically uh, t- take a, a, a tree stump and you, you cut it across and across again, uh, depending on the width uh, of, the, of the tree stump, you could cross it again and again. So and then from there on, you basically the, the outside of the, the tree parts becomes the, the back of the bow. So the, the, the point that you will point towards your target. Mm-hmm. And then from the handle on, uh, which is about 15 centimeters in the middle, uh, from from bottom hand to upper uh, upper hand, and then it starts wide for mostly two thirds of the bow, uh, and then it goes into a taper. Yeah. So it's basically a really flat bow uh, for most of the parts, and then it goes to a taper. Okay. And what sort of wood can you use? Technically, you could use any kind of wood. Um, there, there are many woods that are preferred. Uh, uh, along them are ash or elm, uh, oak, hickory. Uh, okay. But you could use basically also, for example, uh, well, of course, you. Uh, that's that's the the well, basically the uh, the best you could find. But yeah expensive uh, but you could also use for example a juniper uh, mulberry uh, yeah technically you could could use any uh, type of wood uh, for a bow but you want it to be quite a stiff wood i imagine you, you know if it's something like willow wouldn't be particularly good would it uh well technically you could make a bow out of willow but it will not last long uh, the the stiffer the wood is like for example oak or yew or uh, because yew is actually uh double layered it has a softer wood on the outside and a stiffer wood on the inside okay uh, it it would hold the the strength of the bow longer but in in a survival situation uh for example you could make a bow out of anything even a branch technically okay what what do we do from here then? Once you've got a piece of, of wood, it's, uh, it's got to be a bit more to it than just tying string to the two ends, surely. Yeah, yeah, definitely it is. Um, well, first of all, uh, we need to figure out uh, what uh, uh, why are we making a bow? Are we making a bow for a survival situation? Or are we making a bow that lasts longer uh, years, uh, for example? Mm-hmm. So let me first dive in in a survival bow situation. That's mostly the easier. Uh, in that case, you can basically just cut off a branch 
and start trying to figure out, okay, uh, where does it bend? Uh, and this, this also uh, comes down to the bow that you want to have for a longer period of time, because you want to have, you, first of all, you want to figure out, okay, where is my handle going to be? Where, where do I hold the bow? <clears throat> as soon as you figure that out, uh, and from there on, uh, bow, both ends should be the same length, basically. Um, from there on, you have to figure out, okay, how does the bow bend? Or at least the, the branch that you have or the piece of wood that you have, how does it bend? And from there on, you start working on the design of your bow. Um, so if you have a th really thick branch, uh, you could basically make a flat bow or long bow out of it. Um, that That's all possible. But you want to make sure that the limbs of the bow, so those are the arms basically that, that flung, uh, flings your uh, arrow away, uh, have to be about the same size and the same curvature, basically, when you have the, the string on it. So when you, when you say you start by figuring out where your handle is going to be and how yeah. your wood bends, what, what, what do you mean by that? What is that thought process? Well, uh, your your stick or a uh, piece of wood that you want uh, that you want to make your bow out of uh, should not be too thin, because you'll be removing uh, material for, from it. So uh, the, the thicker the wood that you get, uh, yeah. the, the more chance you have to to have a strong limb, uh, as it's called. So the arms that uh, so both sides where you have the the string on the, the uh, between where the string is and where your handle is, those are called the arms of the bow. Mm -hmm. So they, they, they are the, the, the main pullers of the, the weight that will propel your arrow. Mm -hmm. So the thinner they are, the less material you can remove, so they are bent equally. I'm with you. So the thicker they are, yeah, sure, the, you could have to remove more material, but you have more of a chance to get them equal. So in my head, I'm kind of designing a system that I'm going to use already. And, and in my head, I'm thinking what you do is you get your piece of wood and you basically stand it on end. Or this is what I'm imagining in my head. I stand it on end and I sort of push down on the top. And then I figure out, has it got more movement on the top or the bottom? And whichever side's got least movement, that's what I kind of whittle away at until it's even. Am I summing it up? Yeah, that is uh, completely correct. Uh, that's basically what you have to do eventually anyway, because that's also how you start your tillering process, as in getting the movement in the wood so it will get to the f to the shape and form that you need it to be. Okay. So you're completely correct on that. So how do we do this? How do we, how do we actually do it? Just take a knife? Uh, you could use a knife. Uh, if, if it's in a survival situation, a knife or a hatchet uh, should do quite wonders on it. Okay. Uh, and if you really have the time and that kind of stuff, uh, use a draw knife uh, and a cabinet scraper to look at, make it look really nice uh, and such. But yeah, just a knife or a, a hatchet or both would do wonders already to, to make it. Mm -hmm. But the, the, the first thing you need to figure out is the length. For example, for your bow, and that is actually where you have to uh, to start uh, when it comes to getting your stave to make your bow from, and that is about the same length as as you are, as you okay. as person are. Okay. You could make shorter bows; it's possible, but then you have to go thicker 
because also the the pool strength uh, that you would like to have it if it was for hunting, for example. So you want a you want a piece of wood about the same height as you are. Yeah, and, and preferably we... a little bit longer, just in case uh, that it, it, it might split or has splits in it. Yeah, and then uh, and then we just basically whittle away at the stronger half. Uh, yes. However, you do that on the back of the bow. Uh, the back of the bow is the point, uh, the, the part that uh, goes towards your target. So that's basically where the arrow is going to. That's that's the back of the bow. Okay, and and for this, for the purpose of this experiment that we're discussing now, we're talking about a branch, aren't we? So it's going to have bark all the way around it. Yeah. Uh, so that's do, do we do we do we want to take all the bark off? Does that matter? Uh, yeah, it, it is recommended to take all the bark off, um, just because uh, there, there could be problems uh, within the bark. There could be problems in the underlayer, uh, underneath the bark, uh, like. Uh, there's more maybe uh what's it called um knots knots uh one of the things there could be cracks uh okay. you want you want to check that because as soon as the wood cracks uh, then yeah find, find find another piece of wood because else yeah. it will not work uh next to that uh you want to have the back of the uh, of the of the of the bow at uh, the same uh uh, how you call it? The the rings. Uh, if, if you open up a tree, you can see the rings of growth. Yes. Right. right. You want to have the entire back of the bow at the same ring. Basically. I'm with you. I'm with you, and that makes perfect sense because when you put pressure on it, otherwise, it could actually split away, couldn't it? At that join where it goes from one ring to another. Exactly. So the, that is the most important part uh, because when it comes to the the belly of the bow, so the the one facing you as a shooter. Uh, that is not that really important. No. Because that's, that will just that's compress. Not, yeah, it's not under tension. It's under compression. Exactly that. So you want to make sure that you remove the bark. Although it has been done uh, making bows with the bark on. Because technically you are in the same uh, ring. Yeah, of course. It is possible. However, I would not suggest it for new bow makers. No. Because you really have to know the wood that you're working with and how it will uh, will bend and how it will work. And uh, especially with the bark, some tree types uh, have really sturdy bark that don't bend well and just crack. And then you can actually destroy uh, basically your bow with it. Mm -hmm. And then you have done so much work on it and you have a bow that doesn't work. Yeah, yeah. So that is a really thing to, to look on. And next to that, as soon as you start forming your bow, make sure um, that when you have your handle position found, make sure it's also thick enough for your hand to hold it. Yeah. So I, I would always suggest go for a thicker piece of branch because it's easier to remove material than add in. However, you could add a material uh, which is called laminating, basically. Okay. So, should we talk about that now, or will we talk about that a bit later? Uh, we we could talk about it now. Um, so, I, I don't have really in a, a plan on how and what, but <laughs> okay. So, laminating. What does that mean? 
Laminating is basically adding uh, multiple layers of different types of wood or the same type of wood uh, onto it, uh, each other. Um, I've seen actually a YouTube video uh, about it for survival bows. Well, it's basically um, adding multiple layers of wood on top of each other and just tie it together to make a bow. So you can actually make uh, take it from saplings, uh, make the outer layer, and then a shorter sapling uh, on the, the belly of it, and, and go on with uh, shorter and shorter and shorter until you get to the handle. That's also a way of making your bow. That's basically laminating. However, when normal professional bow makers talk about laminating, uh, we're talking about gluing it together, uh, often with uh, epoxy or that kind of stuff. And making it the same way you'd, you'd make a sheet of ply. Basically, yes. Yeah. yeah. Which makes it stronger. Uh, but as I said, also with the, the survival bow out of making, uh, making it out of twigs uh, in different lengths, and binding it together, you can also make a bow. Um, and if I'm correct, either the Native Americans or the Aztecs actually made their bows that way as well. You can now support the show directly. Just go to patreon.com forward slash self-sufficient hub. You can become a patron and set up to donate to the show from any amount. Pledging as little as $3 a month makes a huge difference. If that's not your thing, you can also support the show by sharing it with people you know or posting about it on social media. We really appreciate all the help that you give us. It's people like you that make this show possible. Once we've got our piece of wood then, and it's bending how we like, mm -hmm. we need to string it. Well, first you start tillering it, uh, and for that you need a tillering stick. And a tillering stick is basically a log or uh, a two by four uh, or something with notches in it every inch. And okay. with in in the, in the top, basically, uh, um, basically a claw that holds the bow in place. Yeah. So you put your bow uh, where the handle is on top of that, and you take a string, uh, put it on one arm. That to the other arm, and put it in the first notch. Uh, from there on, uh, but just by by have, having it, uh, the best way is actually to put it on uh, towards a background that looks, well, the same. So you could see where where it bend where, where it's bending well, uh, yeah. where it's not bending well, and then you start tilling it by going a notch down each time, and seeing where uh, the bend, for example, is not enough. In comparison to the other arm, and you start removing just, material there, and then you test again. It, that it takes really a lot of time, just to try and even it all up. Exactly, and then you can just use a a, a cabinet scraper, for example, just to remove material uh, millimeter by millimeter, uh, just to see so it so it bends equally. Okay, and how long does this process take? That can take from hours to weeks. Depending on <laughs> depending on what, it takes a lot of time. Yeah, yeah. Depending on what, depending on the the wood you're working with. Depending on the wood you're working with, uh, the time you have, basically. Mm -hmm. 
But it, it, it's it's can be done uh, in a weekend making an entire bow. It could be done in a weekend, uh, depending on indeed the wood you're working with uh, and what your design is of the of the bow. So, did you manage to make one, Mike, from start to finish? Unfortunately, not um, uh, during that uh, um, weekend because the the first. Uh, stave I got to make a bow of apparently someone else also had the same type of stave and it was rotten uh, on the inside so right. I got a new stave uh, both of them are basically close to being finished uh, just haven't had any time to finish them yet thankfully I have the tools here at home Yeah, just uh, too busy with work um, so, but yeah so when you, I could... wait, how, how do you know when you finish tillering Mike? Um, well, basically what you do is when you have your string between uh, both uh, arms at the knocks, so those are the ends of the, of the limbs of the, of the bow, and you can have uh, basically a thumbs up between the bow and the string at the, at the handle, then you know that you are at the, the, the length you want to have it. Sorry, I'm, I'm confused. What, what do you mean by that? Thumbs up? What do you mean? Well, if you if you form your hand in a thumbs up, yeah, and you put the uh, so your the side of your pinky on the uh, on the handle, yeah, and you have your string uh, between uh, the arms as I said it is taught, and your thumb touches the string, yeah, then you're there. Okay, got you. And got you. and also obviously both arms should be uh, bending the same. Uh, yes, or close to same amount. Yeah. Then you're basically ready to uh, shoot it, or at least try to shoot it. So you um, just uh, release a couple of arrows, see if it pulls right, and also check the arms. Yeah. Uh, it is often said, also uh, in uh, manuscripts, uh, as I've heard, is that you should at least be able to fire a hundred arrows with a bow if you know if you want to know it's it's right. Mm -hmm. without any failure no problems and what are you what would you suggest as cordage uh well there, there are multiple ways of doing it uh what i normally use is linen thread okay and for that you have to basically make uh at least three lines of linen thread for each uh part and you need at least three times that so you need nine Total linen uh, minimum depends on the thickness of your linen thread, but at least nine uh, strands of the of the length that you want to have it. So linen thread is that cotton? No linen. So I'm confused. I've never heard of linen thread in my life. So are you talking about strips of sheets? No, no, no. Linen uh, linen is grown from uh, oh, what's it called? Um, it, it's 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 uh, plant based. Okay. Oh, do you mean linden, like lime trees? No, no, it's plant. Okay. I'll have to look that up. Yeah, uh, linen uh, is from. Let me quickly look it up. Uh, it's from flax. Okay. You can make linen thread from, from flax. Uh, uh, I've, I've actually tried it uh, here at home. So is it, that, how uh, would you get hold of that? 
Uh, you can grow it easily yourself. Okay. Uh, else, you, else you can uh, also just buy it at any uh, uh, store that uh, sells more uh, traditional uh, uh, clothes, uh, uh, cloths for uh, sewing your own um, uh, clothing. Okay. Yeah. Interesting. Interesting. Uh, I often use it also for my leather working as uh, for for sewing leather together. Uh, it, it holds quite long uh, and is plant based. So, yeah. And how do you attach them to your bow? Uh, well, the the way I normally do it is using the Flemish twist. Um, there are plenty of you, uh, YouTube videos on how to do the Flemish twist. It's basically you you make rope out of linen thread. You make uh, three of them at least, uh, depending on the thickness of the linen thread. Uh, from that, as soon as you have those ropes, you twist those together again for a thicker rope, and from there on, you bind them together into uh, a loop for your uh, bow where it has to be. And then, as soon as you have where how long it has to be, you can actually tie it off. You just tie it on onto the edge ends of the bow. There's no, uh, you don't notch the bow or anything. Of course, you well, you you, you have to notch the bow. So that, that's basically what you could use is a is a round file for sure, a small round file to make notches at the ends of the arms. Yeah, and that will hold hold the string. Cool. And as someone who's not a uh, bow and arrow aficionado, is there uh, what what goes in? Is there? A, I think it's called a knock in the handle, something to sort of guide the arrow. Uh, it is a possibility. Uh, it's definitely a possibility. I, I'm not a big fan of it. I normally make the handles uh, the same size as my, my hand would be, and I use my uh, index finger basically to rest the arrow on. Okay. And what what's the thinking behind using a knock or not using a knock? Um, well, in my experience, is that if you use a, a knocking point uh, on the bow for your arrows, is that it makes the wood weaker. Okay. Um, however, if you really use a thick piece of wood, uh, so you have the room for it, uh, it is definitely a possibility, and it's it's often helpful for uh, beginning shooters to uh, hold the arrow in place. But I imagine uh, you'd need to start uh, with a much bigger piece of wood at the handle to achieve that. Basically, uh, or at least in my opinion, uh, if you want your bow to last longer. Yeah, yeah. Uh, however, if you basically hold your bow at a 45 degree angle and you put your uh, uh, arrow on your uh, index finger, that's all the knock you need, yeah. in my opinion. So then, then you can also go for thinner uh, pieces of wood. Uh, my own longbow, for example, that I have. Uh, yeah, I know I bought that one, uh, laminate <laughs> longbow, but still. Uh, that handle is only two centimeters uh, thick, basically. So no yeah. place for no place for a knocking point for your arrow. Uh, but I, I use just my finger and I point where I want to have that arrow. And rest that arrow on that uh, index finger. I and if we're miss. making, uh, and if we're making a, a survival bow, what are we using as arrows? Ah, well, in that case, uh, what you will need is branches uh, that are uh, not too thick, but they are straight. 
Yeah. And then you could use uh, for the arrow tip basically is that you sharpen it with a knife and basically burn it a little bit so it's uh, charcoal-y uh, on the top. Yeah. Because that, that strengthens it. Um, technically, that is enough. And uh, well, in the back, you want to carve a little bit of a uh, square, uh, a pyramid in in the uh, in the branch, so it holds on the string, and that is technically enough. Yeah. Else, you could add feathers uh, or leaves. You could also cut yeah. a leaf in half, for example, and put it on there uh, with a bit of uh, twine or. Yeah, whatever you have, uh, but not not too thick uh, of cordage to hold in place. But technically, it is enough yep. for short distance to have no feathers on it at all. I would have thought you'd need the fletching to help it fly true. Uh, not necessarily. Uh, it only depends on long distance. Okay. It's a. Uh, Awesome. It's, it's it's kind of weird, but the that's also what they what they call the archer's paradox is that it's just the force uh, behind the bow that makes it go wobble wobble basically in the air, and then indeed for the longer distance the uh, the flights as they're called or the feathers uh, keep them more straight. But for a short distance, um, you technically don't really need them. I would suggest to uh, Talk a little bit about the list of tools that you will definitely need if you want to make your own bow uh, and not a survival bow, but an actual one from a stave. Yeah, first of uh, first of uh, foremost is the draw knife. You'll definitely need uh, to really form it and get uh, everything mm -hmm. to one layer. Uh, next, that cabinet scraper would really help to remove the small pieces and such. Instead of the big ones, because the draw knife will definitely take only the big parts, and a cabinet scraper will get you to the level that you want to be at. So at the right uh, uh, year uh, ring, basically, or yep. growth ring. Uh, rasp and a file yep. and sandpaper. Those are basically the main ingredients that you want to have. Yep. Next to that, when you really want to make a, uh, a, a bow that it will last for a long time. Uh, if you cut down a piece of tree for it, uh, let it dry. Uh, preferably if you really have a thick base of tree that you uh, cut down, uh, for example, an entire tree trunk or that kind of stuff, split it up and let that dry, uh, at least for a year. Right. Then you can, because then you can see where, um, well, where, where, where it might crack uh, where the problems are. Yeah. So always cut it uh, longer than you want to have your bow because then it has more chance of uh, giving you the opportunity to work with it. Yes. Those are basically the things that you need to keep in mind. Awesome. Well, it sounds, uh, sounds like I'm going to be speaking to my father-in-law because he deals with an awful lot of timber oh. that... Uh, you know, he, he cuts firewood and plays around with felled trees all the time. So I might get him to put one aside for me to uh, have a play around with in a year's time. Well, I, I would happy uh, I would be happy to come uh, come by and uh, do one as well. <laughs> <laughs> that would be nice. That would, be, would really be awesome, actually. Cool. Cool.
Okay, Mike. Well, thank you ever so much for your time. And uh, why don't you let people know where they can find you? Well, uh, by Tuesday, my website will actually go on uh, online. But uh, yeah, it's in Danish. So I'm not sure people will be happy with that. But uh, other than that, oh. uh, people can always ask me questions on Facebook uh, on uh, Self Sufficient Hub. Awesome. Well, uh, feel free to put a link up in the group or to your Danish website when it's ready, because we are we are a global podcast and we certainly have lots of listeners in Denmark, Mike. So, uh, yeah, don't sure. be shy. Yeah, I won't be shy <laughs> ever. <laughs> Great. Well, and, 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 and if anyone has questions about bow making, just let me know uh, on the Facebook as well. Perfect. Well, that's awesome. Great to speak to you, Mike, and uh, we'll be in touch. Yeah, likewise it was really great to see you uh, well speak to you again as well um cool looking forward to next time a nice one mike cheers buddy cheers if you find this podcast valuable there's several ways you can support it the easiest of which is to rate and review it wherever you get your podcasts you could also talk about it or share it wherever you post online including your social media pages And now you can support the podcast directly by becoming a patron at patreon.com forward slash self-sufficient hub. However you support the podcast, we really appreciate it. Thank you for listening. See you soon.